Welcome to Tomorrow's Tech Today, bringing you the latest in technology, talent, and transformational change. With me, your host, Professor Sally Eaves. Indeed, inspiring, aspirational, and indeed empowered futures is very much the focus of our discussion today as we dive deep into the fantastic opportunity that is Z Day 2021 that takes place on September 15th, so coming really soon. And beyond that, the wider opportunities afforded by the IBM Z Global Student Hub. Very much a 24 by 7 platform for democratization and powering tech as a force for good. And to do this, I am in the very best of company. First, we have Lela Haloum, 17 years of age and super passionate about all things tech for good and closing the digital divide. I could not agree more strongly. Lella was named the youngest 2021 IBM champion for her efforts to break existing stereotypes surrounding the tech industry, all alongside A-level study. So incredible credit, I think, to you there. And was also awarded the Diana Award as well. Really inspiring change makers, I think, right across the world. And in terms of our discussion today, she is also IBM Z ambassador, champion and student senator. A very warm welcome to the show. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction. I'm just as excited to be here. Um, podcasts are my biggest and most favorite pastime. So bringing tech and all my favorite things together and joining you here is just an absolute treat for this afternoon. Oh, fantastic. I love a fusion and that's what we're doing, isn't it? Bringing these things together. I love it. Thank you so much. And next, it is a pleasure to welcome Dr. Melissa Sassi, who I think has one of the best job titles in the tech industry as Chief Penguin. And we'll come back to exactly what that means later on, entrepreneur and student experience lead at IBM. And like us all, she embodies all things that scale tech for good and the enablement of equal opportunity. Melissa's role centers on empowerment and the inspiring of students with access to tech skills to help prepare them for the future of work, alongside two empowering and inspiring early stage fintech, health tech and insure tech founders to build and to scale. Melissa is also the global head of IBM HyperProtect Accelerator that's focused again on empowerment for early stage startups through both technology and also business acceleration. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Thank you so much. I'm I'm so excited. I think as uh, Lola mentioned, uh, podcasts are also uh, you know kind of near and dear to me. Whether that's listening, participating, and having a, a big list of things that will help me with my passion of being a, a learn it all. So thank you again for having me. Absolutely, my pleasure. And Melissa, if I start with you first, obviously we've got this fantastic day coming really soon now. And let's start from the top. What's your favorite, your highlight to look forward to for IBM Z Day? Wow, it's so hard when you've got, you know, a hundred plus speakers, 75 plus sessions and a 24 hour student meetup. You know, how do you pick out that one thing? But I will pick out one because you've asked for my, my favorite. <laughs> um, and don't worry, everyone else that I have not mentioned, you are my favorites as well. So don't get sad. Um, we have a, a special guest, a celebrity guest who will be joining us for a uh, fireside chat with his CTO of his new startup. And it's none other than Timbaland. For those of you uh, listening who are um, familiar with the music creator culture, uh, Timbaland is a uh, multi-Grammy award-winning uh, music producer. He's worked with the likes of, you know, Chinese, um, 
Beyonce, Alicia Keys, so many, so many more that um, inspire us every single day. That is absolutely awesome, isn't it? I think that's fantastic. I love the fusion between music and technology generally, actually. I talk about STEAM a lot. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what it's all about. And I think that traditionally speaking, you know, I I work within the IBM Z division of IBM. And those of us who are, you know, deeply involved in tech and know anything about enterprise computing, typically what you think about is financial services and banking and, you know, highly regulated industries, you know, the, the, the IT backbone of the world, if you will. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is that IBMC is extremely relevant for anyone and everyone, whether you are a startup or a large enterprise. And we'll be talking with uh, Timbaland and his uh, CTO, Eric, about music creator culture kind of meeting IBMC, which will be really exciting. There's a lens on data protection, privacy, and security, but also community and empowering the world to have access to many of the wonderful things that we all want access to. And that's, well, partly music. Absolutely. And hasn't it been one of the things that's kept us together as well? Now, I've done this kind of like Friday almost show and tell with with a local hospice, actually, um, over the pandemic period. And it was such a connector. And it's things like that, the emotive aspects. And tech can be a great conduit to make that happen, can't it? So that's amazing. I love that. I will bring my guitar, I think, to this particular session. So that's my my instrument of choice. That's fantastic. Thank you, Melissa. You've set the bar really high there, but I know we'll continue to set it high. So I'd love to go back to, to you, about your highlight. I know there, for example, is a student track specifically, and perhaps you could kind of shine a light on that and the activities you can get involved in with that. Indeed, there is. And I think having the chance to share a virtual stage with industry leaders in my two sessions, one focusing on the IBM community, where I'll share my insight on youth inclusion, and another which is part of the 24-hour global student track, where I'll walk Europe, Middle East and Africa attendees through Hour of Z, our new learning platform, in collaboration with Code.org for those new to the world of enterprise computing. But to be honest, the day is so action-packed and it really doesn't stop there. I'm absolutely so excited to watch Melissa interview Timberland and also attending keynotes from IBM executives. As Melissa said, there definitely is something for anyone and everyone. And I'll certainly be using the replay feature to catch up on any action that I miss. I love the replays, isn't it? It's so useful. It really goes around the sun then and you can kind of make it work for you, whatever time works best. It feels a bit like um, pick a mix, a pick a mix of joy of activity. (laughs) for me this is it's kind of we can dive into so many different places it's fantastic and one other thing that caught my eye when I was looking at the agenda was it's kind of a new announcement that I hear that's happening which is all around data tech for good coalition Melissa I'd love to hear a bit more about what that involves and what you're what you're establishing there yeah sure you know for those of you who have you know, have heard me speak before or, you know, follow me on uh, social media and engagement with me there, you know, you know that one of my biggest passions is social good, tech for good. And how can I use, you know, my, my position or just, you know, whatever my secret sauce is to make the world a better place. And, you know, I think there is so much conversation today around data protection, privacy, and security. You know, not a day goes by where we don't hear about a breach here, a breach, a breach there, you know, whatever kind of information is up on the dark web or what have you. It's a scary place right now and not everyone is prepared. We often think about the breaches that are happening at large enterprises, but what we don't often talk about is what's happening in small business. 
startup community. And I think it's very important for us also to think about data protection, privacy, and security as part of a social good narrative. And what I mean by that is we shouldn't be focused solely on data privacy to adhere to regulatory requirements. Now, adhering to regulatory requirements are important and we should be doing that. So don't get me wrong. However, we should be thinking about this as not just adhering to those regulatory requirements, but us doing the right thing by our customers. The Data Tech for Good Coalition is all about bringing the startup community together and other change makers and thought leaders in the space to showcase that protecting our data is the right thing to do. And it's something that we all should be doing, not just by you know education and training, but also by technology. So I hope, Sally, you will um, take part in the Data Tech for Good Coalition. There's uh, a summit that we're planning. There are a number of different things that we've got cooking following IBM Z Day. So uh, hold on tight, and uh, we look forward to anyone and everyone joining our cause. Oh, absolutely. Count me in. I, I couldn't agree more strongly. And that, that point you mentioned about startups and, and also the, the SME community more broadly, I think the latest stats is something like 400% increase in vulnerability to the types of threats you were mentioning there. So it's so, so important to invest in this. And it's kind of that shared responsibility across a developer community that you're putting to the fore there, which is absolutely brilliant. I love that. So yeah, absolutely. Count me in. Another thing you mentioned that kind of caught my eye, I love that phrase, secret source. I love that. I'm going to use that. It's great. <laughs> um, and I think we all have one. You know, we all have, well, we all have many different things, but we all have a talent that we can give. Um, we all have a skill that we can share. And what I love around this day as well is there's that holistic focus on skills. So there's obviously the technology skills here, but you're also building out other skills as well around communication, networking, emotional intelligence, those types of areas. So it's very holistic for me. So I'd love to kind of drill into skills a little bit and um, maybe go back to you, Lela, to look at your experience so far um, on this journey you've been with in IBM, with your internship and the fantastic role you've got at IBM Z Day. What have you learned the most and kind of what would you share about your kind of mentoring experience maybe? And I think there's probably quite a lot of reverse mentoring going on around different generations and different experiences. I think there's a great fusion here happening. I'd kind of like to get a bit of a take on that, if you will. There definitely is. And I think that IBM Z Day kind of encompasses all of my learning in the sense that it is entirely virtual, as my experience has been, and also shows you the plethora of opportunities there are in tech. I think that was definitely one of my kind of key takeaways or findings over the last 18 months or more now, probably, um, has been realizing that tech isn't just this data-driven, math-heavy subject, which it sometimes is um, kind of presented as in the school curriculum. However, you can be a humanitarian like me studying A-levels in English literature, history or politics. You can be a musician like Timberland and have a startup and so many crazy ideas um, regarding how we can use tech. And it really just does bring us together more than anything. So I definitely say that my learning has been really realizing that the careers of the future in tech in particular don't look one certain way, but rather whatever it is you want to do, you can use tech as your catalyst to achieve that. So that's something I've definitely gained kind of professionally. But as well as that, the interpersonal skills, which you mentioned regarding public speaking, having the opportunity to speak on podcasts, write blogs, present myself and build my personal brand is something I really wouldn't have had the time for unless I did have kind of that um, anomalous time of the coronavirus pandemic acting as kind of this blessing in disguise at least for me I was very fortunate to 
to have that experience for sure. Um, and also academically in the sense that, as I mentioned, I don't just see tech as this data-driven maths-heavy subject, but rather I now realise the wide range of opportunities there are. And I definitely say for people who are keen to kickstart their journey and really find those real-time learning opportunities, having a chance to engage with industry leaders and students alike at Z-Day is just the perfect way to start that. We mentioned on a recent um, event that we did in the lead-up to Z-Day yesterday, talking about um, the importance of kind of following up and making the most out of this conference experience. We mentioned how you can rewind sessions, but also having the chance to look at the agenda in advance and connecting with people on LinkedIn and then sending a message during the event, perhaps with a quote that you enjoyed, maybe doing a bit of live tweeting or sharing your key takeaways and then going on to post call, asking for an exploratory call. And all these kind of findings have been things that I've learned over um, my time working with IBM Z, um, which I'd never realized before had I just gone down that kind of traditional route into computer science and technology. Absolutely. It's so hands-on, isn't it? I love that. And it's very much about what well, community is really coming to the fore for me, building that network, but going beyond that, it is a true community. Um, so I love that. For sure. And I also think the fact that um, everything is created entirely for, with and by students makes the content that we have access to just so much more relevant because rather than industry leaders thinking 30, 40 years back to when they were my age, instead they have the chance to really hear from us and ensure that no decision about my generation often dubbed as the digital generation is made without us. So there's so many relevant opportunities for anyone and everyone. And the fact that it's so entirely youth inclusive and real time and you have the chance to engage with industry leaders and allow them to be your teachers, I think is just so special. I think real quick, one of the things that I think is um, interesting that we should um, you know, point out to our listeners is that, you know, we've, we've spoken a lot about, you know, the, the student lens and the role that, you know, students can play at IBM Z Day, you know, keep in mind, there are uh, a total of four tracks. There's one on open source. So for um, our open source developers or people who are passionate about open source, there's an entire track devoted to that. There's like eight hours of programming or something like that. There's a track on um, app modernization with the lens on IBM Z. There is an entire track on our, our friends or fans of Z, and I have you know seven sessions within that particular track that you know I have um, headed up in collaboration with my my my, my partner in chaos or my chief technical penguin, uh, Aaron Rawls, where we have uh, seven total sessions on uh, anything and everything uh, startup ecosystem. We have been on this journey within my IBM HyperProtect Accelerator hat where we call this year our Road to 100. As of September 15th, we will be announcing that we will have 100 startups that we've invited to you know, join the fun as part of the accelerator program. We'll be announcing the 55 startups that will be um, kind of making up the, you know, the additional amount that gets us to that that 100. So it's going to be a really exciting time for 55 founders, CTOs, their staff that are really looking to build and scale, all leveraging the power of IBM, the power of our collaboration with Village Capital, uh, which enable them to get access to two years of, uh, of technical mentorship, one year of business mentorship, and a whole lot of go-to-market um, fun. So it's definitely relevant for you know the startup ecosystem. It's also relevant for you know anyone and everyone who's really looking to learn more about 
tech. I think within the student track, we often think about, uh, you know, students as like this formal thing, like, are you are you enrolled formally in an education program, whether that's high school, university, grad school, you know, working on your doctorate. Thankfully, I'm finished with mine now. But it's also important for us to think about us all being students, because if all of us are continuing to be prepared for the future of work, we're thinking about that continuous learning journey and being a learn it all. And this is just a great opportunity to be a learn it all, whether you're you know, heavy into tech or not. There's really something there for everyone. Absolutely. There's an expression, isn't there, about learning for life that's been around for as long as I can remember. But I think probably now it's never resonated more. So I think that's absolutely spot on. And I'm learning too. It's absolutely vital. And I love your point around the startup support there as well. I think startup to scale up, again, has always been one of the big challenge points. So everything you're doing there is really giving that holistic support across technical, across business, across communication skills and that community and network beyond. And it goes beyond the event as well. I'd love to stress that. This really is, as I mentioned in the introduction, and very much a 24 by 7 platform for social good, I would say. So that's fantastic. I love that. We mentioned inclusion a little bit. It's come up, um, and again, an area I know we all care about passionately. And I believe there's also some specific attention to DEI throughout the event as well. So, for example, sessions um, for girls and for women and also for people of colour. Perhaps we could explore that in a little bit more detail. Oh, yeah, sure. I'm I'm incredibly, uh, incredibly interested and passionate about you know, what role can I play to make, um, you know, to make and also to ensure that um, tech is more inclusive. And I think that takes a lot of, you know, kind of uh, turns to it. And what I mean by that is, you know, I look at it when I'm wearing my student hat, I look at it from the perspective of how do we make sure that everyone everywhere has access to tech, which they don't, you know, 50% of the world roughly uh, lack access to the internet. Right. So we have huge swaths of population, you know, of people who can't even get access to the Internet, even if they they wanted it, which if you look at digital skills, even more people lack digital skills. So what role can big tech play? What role can I play to make sure that, you know, whether you're four or 104, you have access to digital skills? And then for, you know, those students who've never been exposed to computer science, how do we demystify computer science to make it more accessible, to make young people interested in tech, specifically women and girls, people of color, indigenous communities, And when I look at the other aspect of my role, wearing that entrepreneurship hat, whether it's me as an entrepreneur, which I am, by the way, or when I'm wearing that IBM hat, it's, you know, we've got a big, wicked challenge in the startup community. Less than 3% of venture capital funds go to female founders and and an even smaller amount goes to the black community. Within my accelerator, I have paid very, very close attention to diversity and inclusion. Uh, over 50% of our uh, startups have at least one female founder. More than 30% of our startups, I think the number is like 34%, if I'm not mistaken, um, have at least one black founder, 14% with at least one Latinx founder, and 14% without with at least one Asianx founder. Similarly, we have uh, a you know quite a vast group of countries that uh, you know have headquarters around the world. I think this past uh, recruitment period, we saw hundreds of applications uh, pour in. For from over 50 different countries. So, you know, when we think about making tech, you know, inclusive and not
not exclusive? You know, how do we make sure that we are, you know, putting our design thinking hats on? How do we make sure that we're empathizing with our audience? How do we make sure that we understand our audience from the ground up and we're not going back and retrofitting diversity inclusion, but it's part of, you know, the design and the fabric of everything we do, whether it's being a founder, whether it's being a creator of technology, or whether it's influencing how technology is made and taught. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It has to be absolutely embedded. That's the word, isn't it? I, I couldn't agree more strongly. And I think also there's there's an opportunity here to help. I have an expression about changing the narrative. And I think that's an important thing, you know, about what a tech career is and what skills are valuable. I think there's an opportunity to help help change that as well, you know, in terms of uptake. So looking at girls into tech specifically, for example, because my nonprofit does a lot of work in this area. There are kind of three big drop-offs. So one from kind of UK um, point of view, it's GCSEs. So kind of you, you select those subjects at roughly age 12, you're taking them from 12 to 14, similarly at A-level, so 16 to 18. And then even if girls are taking kind of STEM to STEAMS type subjects, they're not then ultimately applying them in their careers as well. So we've got these three big drop-off areas to address. And maybe it's a good opportunity to bring Lella back in here to talk about your experience and what got you curious um, about finding out more about IBM, but also tech more broadly. I'd love to kind of hear from your perspective on that. I think that could be really, really um, great for the audience. Oh, so I actually first connected with IBM at the age of 11, having kind of proactively put myself out there at a women in STEM hackathon during my six years living in Dubai. I think it goes without saying that I really did stand out as I was the youngest one there with the hackathon, mainly appealing to graduates and postgraduates. However, it was actually IBMers who were like the first to welcome me and wanted to find out exactly what attracted me to tech and attracted me to participating in that hackathon that day. Since then, I was kind of fast-tracked to speak at so many incredible events and really push my experiences as a young person, a young girl interested in technology um, through diversity and inclusion forums, as well as shadowing and understanding some of the latest technologies that IBM have on offer. With regards to IBM Z in particular, spontaneously attending a webinar with Melissa was really my blessing in disguise as literally the hour before my GCSE exams were cancelled, Melissa's webinar was happening. So it all kind of fit in perfectly and just really gave me something to fall back on at a time where my rite of passage was completely out of the window, we could say. I do remember just copying and pasting in the chat until I was noticed, desperately seeking to connect and collaborate with Melissa further. And within a week, I was working on initiatives such as the Code the Curve Tech for Good Hackathon and launching the IBM Z Global Student Hub, which I know we've touched on. Since then, the last 18 months have really been go, go, go. As we mentioned, I'm an intern. I'm with the youngest ever IBM Z champion and so much more. And these experiences have been especially valuable considering the real unique insight it's given me into the real world of technology, um, showing me what tech looks like beyond the textbooks. Although I didn't choose to continue with my computer science studies at A-level, having the chance to pick up qualifications and badges and credentials that are looked for by employers, I believe is one of the most powerful things out there. We often talk about digital skills gaps or gender gaps, and I think really who better to teach us than industry leaders and bosses themselves. 
Absolutely. And what a great example of sort of mutual outreach, I would say. So both from yourself with that proactiveness at age 11 to go and do that. I love that. I really, really love that. <laughs> but equally from IBM's perspective and Melissa specifically and obviously colleagues, etc., to see that and to recognize that. And I always kind of think of teaching as facilitation, you know, that enablement opportunity. Mm-hmm. And both sides there have come together and recognized that there's proactiveness on, on both areas. And isn't that a great example of what leadership in this space is all about. I love that. I think that's such a great example. It definitely is. And I think as well, when we look at IBM Z Day, linking it back to that topic of discussion, the fact that I met my now mentor partner in tech for good, Melissa, through attending a webinar just shows you how you don't have to go through a rigorous job application process or do anything too complicated to find a mentor. And I think you'll often find by attending event, following up, in my case, spamming the chat until I was noticed. Um, But yeah, (laughs) I just say that just really putting yourself out there, being proactive and not reactive and really asking, because if you don't ask, you don't tend to get. And especially in such a competitive field that STEM is and really putting yourself out there and at least having a chance, having a go is just the great way to really kickstart your future roadmap and gain that real-time insight into the industry. So I just urge people to really just be brave, not perfect when it comes to asking for support or learning more about um, a real-time technology that's perhaps been discussed and you want to find out more about. Because what you'll often find is industry leaders are just as keen to engage with us as students as we are to engage with them. So just asking is all it takes. Well, I think also what's super important to think about, and this is something I learned, you know, through my, you know, through my journey, you know, with Lola specifically, and that's, you know, I think we often, many of us do this, we often see, you know, who is the mentor and who is the mentee, you know, and, and we don't always see it as a two-way street, you know, and we should. So for example, I think when, uh, you know, Lola and I first um, started working together, you know, you kind of think of it as, well, you know, okay, Melissa might have more, more years of experience or Melissa might have this, you know, uh, you know, this much more time on the planet. And, and so therefore Melissa is the mentor. And what I actually learned from Lala, um, and it, it taught me a lot about um, just networking and, and being a learn it all and, uh, you know, building a community and being part of a community. And that's, you get mentorship from everywhere. And what I mean by that is I often refer to Lala as my 17 year old mentor. Um, she teaches me as much as I teach her and she probably teaches me a heck of a lot more than I teach her. And I look sometimes at, you know, my colleagues and friends and co-work, whatever. And I realized that I get so much out of this relationship and, you know, it's uh, been this blessing in disguise. You know, I'm so glad that Lola spammed me. <laughs> brilliant. It's brilliant. I love it. It's reciprocal mentoring. That's what it's all about. That's exactly right. And I think that's part of what you're going to see at IBM Z Day as well is, you know, it's this intergenerational dialogue. You know, every one of our sessions has, you know, an experienced professional um, who's out in the world doing the thing and also a student who's out there in the world doing the thing. And I think there's power in making sure that youth always have a seat at the at the table, especially when we're talking about, you know, solutions for the future. You know, I think we all just, you know, easily get caught up in our everyday 
and we all get, you know, caught up in our bubble of who's around us. And I think having my relationship with, um, with Lala as an intern and student senator and champion and ambassador and all these things, it's forced me to look around and see not only our youth at the table, but it's caused me to think about, okay, who else is at the table when it comes to, you know, ethnicity or, uh, you know, color, whatever it is, uh, gender, you know, to really make sure that we're being diverse and inclusive anywhere and everywhere and, you know, standing up and, and shouting loud when I see that, you know, we as IBM or me as a person or a friend, you know, could be doing something different. Uh, and again, whether that's tech, non-tech, whatever. Absolutely. Now, you've really brought that to life. I absolutely love that. And before we forget, because we mentioned this early um, in the conversation, we said we would tell everybody about the Penguin job title. So you mustn't forget that. So where does that come from, Melissa? We, we need to unpack that one. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I uh, I was taking part in an internal IBM uh, podcast today, and I introduced myself as the chief penguin. And, and someone came in uh, from, uh, from uh, France and said, you have to take care of job titles. They're not always uh, transferable or, or names. That is their, you know, words are not always transferable, you know, across markets and languages. And we know that, right? There are many, you know, snafus that, that brands make every day. And he said, you know, in, in my language, I guess that's French, uh, in terms of what he was speaking, obviously from France, but I wasn't sure if he was speaking more, you know, broadly about, some, you know, another, you know, background he has. But he had uh, mentioned that that means lame duck. And so I, I had a good laugh, you know, that uh, potentially my job title means lame duck, which um, just for those of us who uh, are listening along, it does not mean lame duck. Uh, however, we do have this term at IBM called uh, wild duck. And a wild duck is someone who doesn't necessarily beat to the same drum as everyone else. It's an innovator. It's a creator. It's a maker. It's a doer. It's someone who colors outside the lines, takes calculated risks, and is not worried about the you know status quo. Now, that's not where the, the chief penguin came from, but because that happened today, I thought it was a fun little anecdote to bring in and make sure that for those of us who might speak other languages, uh, definitely is not lame duck. Where did it come from, though? Uh, before joining IBM, I, uh, I was a Microsoftie, and I guess Satya Nadella might say once a, once a Microsoftie, always a Microsoftie. But when I was at Microsoft, uh, I had uh, a colleague, and she called herself the Chief Ninja Cat. And wow. at that time, she headed up the Windows Insider Program, an amazing woman called Donna Saka. She's now the Chief Technology Officer of the accessibility team at Microsoft. Speaking of diversity and inclusion, she looks at how do people with disabilities, um, you know, gain access to tech and make sure that they're truly inclusive, you know, for, you know, people with whatever kind of uh, accessibility needs they might have. And I have this little folk thing going on, this fear of missing out where I lose that. I'm like, wow, I want that cool job title. But I was working in a team where it just, you know, was not as progressive as, you know, maybe some of the other teams. And it was a great team, but I just didn't feel like I was empowered to say, you know, I'm this animal. And who, how many of us have a boss where, you know, you can call yourself, you know, chief, whatever. And then I met this guy who, um, you know, I shouldn't say I met him. I met him virtually who has this Twitter handle called Threddy the T-Rex. And he's always, you know, he works at Microsoft. And to be honest with you, I have no idea who he even is. And 
I thought, wow, you know, he's got this T-Rex thing going on. And people started taking these ceramic dinosaurs and they started bringing them to conferences and they had pens and T-shirts and all kinds of stuff. So there was this T-Rex and there was like this ninja cat and I didn't have anything. And then I ended up leaving Microsoft, not because I wasn't the chief, uh, the chief whatever, but had this amazing opportunity at IBM, joined IBM, had kind of forgotten about this whole job title animal thing. And it just so happened that I was in Karachi, Pakistan, and I met this woman named Chihan Ada, who uh, now heads up this amazing accelerator that's focused on female uh, entrepreneurs across uh, the country of Pakistan. But before, she had headed up this uh, incubator called the Nest IO. And if you think about it, what do you have in the Nest? Well, you have the big bird and she was the big bird of the nest. So I'm like, man, we got a big bird. We've got a niche cat. We have a T-Rex and I still have nothing. I'm like, okay, this is my time. I work with an amazing group of people, you know, and working with a developer advocacy, I think you could be a little bit quirky, be a little bit out there and, you know, you can bring your whole self to work in many, many respects. And it's just kind of expected. And so I thought, what could I be? And IBM has such a strong uh, kind of history and support of the open source, you know, community. You know, in, in fact, you know, we own Red Hat. Uh, and so I thought, ooh, maybe there's something to that with, you know, our Linux One machine and, uh, you know, open source. And what a better mascot to have for open source, the Penguin. So the chief Penguin was born. And for fun, I changed it in my, you know, social media handles. Uh, it got picked up by uh, some of my colleagues who told me to change it in the directory. So I did. If you log into any of our like internal IBM systems, all of my job titles say Chief Penguin IBMC. It caught on. Our GM started introducing me as such. The UN ended up writing an article about a hackathon I ran. And on the homepage of that hackathon, it had the chief penguin of IBM C. And this is a UN official talking about me being the chief penguin. So I thought if my GM could call me the the chief penguin, if it's in our system, if, if it's on social media, and the UN could say it, hey, there you go. I love it. And it sticks. It works, doesn't it? I love it. And it and it represents something. I love it. I love it. That says so much about culture as well. That's brilliant. I absolutely love that. And before I go and um, we close the conversation today, I, I might just do one final question, a little bit of fun question and kind of just change the narrative again, going back to my little phrase, because obviously we've been talking about all things digital and digitalization in so many different ways today and digital literacy as well. So a little question just arose to me as we were talking there. Is there anything that you still do in your life that is totally analog? So by that, I was thinking as we were talking, for example, I, I, I'm writing a book at the moment um, all about all things tech for good. And I still like to, I shouldn't really say this, should I? I still print things sometimes and write in the margins. And like, you know, I like a physical book and you can make those little notes to yourself. Oh, you're stealing mine, Sally. You're stealing mine. I do that too. <laughs> We've got synergies. Hey, I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, you're stealing mine. Now, I, I read physical books. I do not have a, you know, I, I do I do read from my, from my phone. I do read from my computer. But when it comes to books, 
I only read physical books that I can hold in my hand. And that's just how I roll. That's what I do. I have no desire to read for a long period of time on another device. I, I just enjoy having the paper. I do turn a lot of my, um, my reading uh, into talks. And I have this rule where I have to read 10 books or 10 scholarly articles on a particular topic before I can do a, a talk about it. And I turn them into 20-minute TED Talks. That one happens digitally. So there is somewhat of a connection into the digital world because I'm very big on how do I learn and then how do I share my skills forward? Um, that's one. The second one is I take physical notes in a notebook with an actual pen. I have two pens that are my favorite. And you know, if anyone ever wants to get me a nice gift, it is a physical book and a physical notebook. Love it. And, and what about you, Lena, on this one? What's, what's your, like, I think we're all kind of on the same page. That's a terrible pun. I've just realised. But anyway, I think we're on the same page with that one. But, but what about yourself? <laughs> yeah, I feel like Melissa's kind of pinched all of mine. I mean, the subjects that I study at school being English literature, history and politics, I consider quite different to perhaps people who go down and into STEM careers. So I'd say that that's slightly different. That does involve me immersing myself in lots of the classics. Um, another hobby of mine is singing and I'm part of a choir. Um, it used to be in person, but obviously COVID has changed things and meant that it's virtual now. But I really do love like reconnecting with Latin and classical people pieces through being part of what's known as the stay at home choir. A recent piece that we did came out and I think there was about 2,000 people, uh, singers, if not more from around the globe, singing to a new song written by kind of very well-known Gareth Malone, which was just incredible. So I think that, yeah, the fusion of really digital first, futuristic, if you like, ventures that I go down with my kind of IBM student hat on in comparison to some of the things I like to get up to being the 17-year-old student I am, I'd say that they are some of the different things that I do. That's awesome. I love that. I would join you in the choir, but I think that would be doing a disservice to the audience. I think that, I don't think that would be a, I think I'll, I'll stick with the, the piano and the guitar on that one. But that. Nobody wants me synchronized dancing. Nobody wants me, uh, which means, you know, like salsa, merengue, uh, aerobics, none of that. And nobody wants me singing or playing an instrument. <laughs> well, Melissa, we know you can Bollywood dance now. Oh, yeah. And I know you can as well. We both uh, had to overcome our fear <laughs> in uh, one of our events that we ran here at IBM. Uh, when was that? That was this year, earlier in the year. January, January. So fusion is the word, really, isn't it? So we've got, we've got the, I'll do the instruments. Lely, you can do the singing. Melissa, you can do the dancing. And we can bring all these things together. So that's kind of there steam. It's steam, isn't it? Steam learning all the way. That's fantastic. We got back kind of where it was. starts in 2022. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's brilliant. Honestly, I think we've given a real kind of holistic look at what, what's in store, basically. So we've got the 24-hour global student meetup. got 100-plus speakers, 75-plus sessions. And it's 24 by 7 as a platform as well. So it's not just the IBM Z-Day itself. It's so much more beyond. So for me, it's that community. It's technology, it's education coming together, and it's real democratization and enablement of opportunities. So I can't wait. And for everybody listening, please join us. It's going to be an amazing day. And outside of the podcast, we'll be sharing all the links as well to help you sign up super easily and take part in all the fun, all the learning, and all the community that's going to happen. So thank you so much, Leila and Melissa, for joining me today. And thank 
you so much for the audience for listening in. Thank you all. Thank you. It's been so much fun. Yes, thank you, Sally, for having us. And thank you to all of you who are uh, listening. We look forward to seeing you at IBM Z Day and beyond. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tomorrow's Tech Today. If you enjoy what we're doing, please subscribe to us and leave a review. It really means a lot. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram and see more behind the scenes video footage on YouTube. Thanks for listening. <laughs>